The following podcast may contain some adult language. You've been warned. Those of you who got an invite, welcome to NerdProm. <laughs> no matter where in the world you are, we're all NERDS International. With the hyphen. Welcome to Finding the Narrative, a Genesis RPG podcast. This is a show dedicated to the Genesis role-playing system from Fantasy Flight Games, a show in which we, your hosts, discuss all things Genesis from both a player's and a GM's perspective. I am Tony Fanning, and with me, as always, is my good friend and co-host and soon-to-be roommate for a weekend, yeah. Chris Holmes. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing good. And what goes on a con and a cob stays a con and a cob. <laughs> so, no. <laughs> I'm pretty sure my wife just heard me. She's on the other side of the wall here. But anyways. Yeah. Um, <laughs> She's going to have questions. She's going to have questions. Um, <laughs> no, dude, I am, I'm getting, I'm pumped. It's this week. Kanan Akaba is this week. I'm, These days can't go fast enough. I'm serious. I am in such dire need for a vacation right dude, now. I'm, I'm thinking it's 60 hours away until I touch down in Cleveland. 58, but, but 59. 58. TikTok, TikTok, right? <laughs> it's at that point. And, and of course, my, um, I shouldn't say of course, because they lost last weekend, but my Vikings won today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You beat your Lions, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The loins are not that good this year. Dude, 10 sacks? Holy mm-hmm. crap. That was, that was harsh. I, I was, I was feeling yep. Stafford's pain there. But on, on, on a gaming related note, um, my barbarian, my sixteenth level barbarian in that wonderful fifth edition D and D game. Yes, I said D and D. Everybody, my buddy Kyle is running an old school high level game in the caves of chaos. Freaking Medusa Queen, petrified Hrothgar. Yes, I was turned to stone by a Medusa Queen. It was great. <laughs> wonderful. I love how you celebrate your character's cream. misfortune. That's awesome. And, and then, you know, and then the cleric applied a cream, and then everything yeah. was fine after that. There's a cream for that. Exactly. That's right. There's a cream for that. But um, so that was good. Any gaming thing that you did that stood no, out, like any characters you know dying or turning to stone, either. All my <laughs> games have canceled for the last week and a half. If you know. I've had a very, very harrowing experience recently with well, my you, fiance. You have had a that was it's been a rough week. I understand. Yeah, I she. Understand. I, we spent all of last weekend with her in the hospital, and um, so she doing good. Better. Yeah, she's doing better. She's home. Things are good. It's just a lifestyle change. She's she's going to be on blood thinners for her li- for life, and uh, now it's just just we're going to have to we're going to have to get used to it. I'm going to buy her a really nice, pretty medical bracelet that says she, you know. It has that problem. I've already been up to the jewelry store talking to them, so they're going to make a real nice one for it. Oh, but, uh, yeah, so. But, yeah, I haven't had any games in a week and a half. Oh, that's a shame. But you know you what? See what? You're going to. It's a bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're going to more to make up for this coming week, dude. <laughs> yeah. Three full days. Three and a half, maybe, full days of gaming. Most definitely. I'm scared. I'm scheduled for 12 separate events. What? 
Yeah. Oh my. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I might be near that. I think I, I think I'm eight or nine, or five. Oh, wow. <laughs> including the ones I'm running, which now I'm yeah. running Deep Madness. There, that got added yeah, last minute. Yeah, and and you know, I was I, I I'm running Lord of the I'm Lord of the Rings with you. Yes, um, Middle Earth with you. But then I'm doing um, Legends of the Five Rings on Saturday morning. Yeah, apparently. Thank you, Tony. Appreciate that one. You're welcome. <laughs> it's it's dude. That's like awfully Minnesotan passive aggressive of you, though, dude. <laughs> well, run I, this game. Oh, by I know the way, this. Sign I know up. this. You're I know run. this really good GM for this game. I signed him up. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. Uh, so let's see. So let's get into some news here. Yes, news, Everybody, news, news. Yeah, yeah, Android adversary cards, and do these things look beautiful? Oh, oh crap! I didn't realize. I didn't realize. I was looking through them. Some of the nemesis are named characters, named dudes. They've get this is the first time they've done adversary cards for named dudes. Really? Yeah. Like, oh, you're right. Yeah. Rania Roja and yeah. Jackson Howard, man. Yeah, they've these are characters from the some of the novels, okay. which I didn't realize. I'm like, who? I started looking up these characters. Where do they come from? Do they come okay. from the card game? Do they come? From, okay. No, there's there's novels out there for this, and I didn't even know it. Oh, more reading, everybody. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> more reading to do. The world of they're Android. all. They're in my and Amazon the list. Oh, they're in my awesome. Amazon Christmas wish list for anybody who wishes to yeah. look. My Christmas wish. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah, so they're available for pre-order. Um, yeah. Really, no date as to when. Which actually, this is this is. I I actually kind of like this because they didn't announce the Tiranoth cards until well after the book dropped. Right. It does seem like things are kind of maybe. Moving a little faster with the Android. Let's hope. So. Let's hope. Let's hope. I doubt we're going to get a Christmas stocking. I don't don't think it's going to be my Christmas stocking, but I might have to buy my wife a birthday present in February with it. <laughs> oh, sorry, honey, that's supposed to be mine. No, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so yeah, everybody go out there on the on the um the Genesis website out there and take a look at these. Looking good, man. Looking good. Yeah. Awesome. And a teacup giraffe. Aw, how cute is that? Isn't that the cutest thing a ever? Three yeah. presents. <laughs> Minions. So there's more te- teacup giraffes out there. So, yeah. You can have an army of them. Oh. <laughs> Jim, you bastard. I know you're listening to this. <laughs> Do not give me my character, oh, Jim. No, you got. He's a GM. You got to tell him not to give you something, and he'll give it to you, right? Exactly. <laughs> so you tell him, don't give my character a, a, a several teacup giraffes and a sled to to haul him with. <laughs> so I can have just teacup giraffes hauling me on a sled. I could see. I could totally see Gorgol having like all these teacup giraffes like following him like a some sort of Pied Piper dude. No, 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 no. The, the, the Tony Android. Oh, the Tony Android. Well, there's that. But. <laughs> oh, shit. Awesome. Anyhow. Okay. Anyways, we're digressing. Dude, this is a... Yeah, we're digressing a little bit. Sorry, everybody. We're excited. We it's okay. Yeah. So we have... Mm-hmm. Uh, I picked one piece of listener feedback because this one piece of listener feedback, this listener has... 
kept telling me he had a question for me on the G plus. He's like, I got a question. I just got to type it up. I got a question. I got to type it up. I got a question. And he did. He typed it up. And he did. Way to go, he Cody. typed it up. <laughs> Took him a while. So uh, Cody Doolittle out there says, Tony and Chris, hey, guys, keep up the good work. Um, Thank you, bud. Yep. Let we me will. preface this with everything but this one thing makes Genesis absolutely amazing. And I think he forgot the to me part. But anyhow, <laughs> my question is, with the limitations on by-the-book character creation rules, don't you find the character generation a bit limited compared to that of Star Wars? What I mean is, with Genesis, like D&D, you pick your race, you pick your class, and sure, in D&D, you can multi-class with but with Genesis, you can't buy out of buy out of career skills. You can buy out of career skills, yeah. You can buy out of career skills. But with Star Wars, you can fine-tune a character that you want. For example, the character I play in Star Wars is a commander, tactician, vanguard strategist. With D&D, I could play an elf ranger. In Genesis, I could play an elf scout. I know that right now there aren't that many books out for Genesis, but just that the aspect that aspect of character creation bothers me. If I want to bring my tactician vanguard strategist over to Genesis, I'm stuck with uh, I'm re- already stuck on archetype. As and he goes into a bunch of details about it, and, uh, how he would do it, and and then he says, uh, "But now, what did Genesis get right?" Basically, what he says he loves pretty much everything else. Not one specific setting. Depending on the setting, you give alternate skills to use, open talent trees, uh, magic system. There's probably more things that I love and I haven't encountered yet. Anyways, what do you guys think? Cody, Tally Darkstar, which is the name of his Star Wars character, Doolittle. Mm-hmm. So we had, I had first, uh, a bunch of back and forth with Cody explaining you know, how I felt about how the the talent trees really buying these talent trees um you spend a bunch of extra xp in star wars to buy an an out of career talent tree or another talent tree you spend if it's your if it's your second talent tree it costs you 20 plus 10 if it's out of career so and then Mm -hmm. if it's your third one you're paying 30 plus 10 if it's out of career so on and so forth. So for yeah, his, so, so folks out there, don't mean to interrupt you real quick, but but folks out there, if you're not quite understanding the concept of the ta- talent trees for Star Wars, you can find them on the internet out there and just kind of take a look. So it's not a, it's not the pyramid like Genesis. Yep. It's actually different. You know, five. It's like a grid of what is it? Four, four by five, right? Four, four by five. Four yep. by five, and they're linked by lines. So you can't exactly go like straight down on some, some you can, but some you have to wrap around and whatever. So those get really interesting. And then that's effectively what the, what do they call it? It's specialization. Yeah. Right. And and that's yeah. what they are. They're specializations. And so in mm-hmm. Star Wars, you you make you have these specialization trees, and they're your talent tree. And mm-hmm. you also have for each specialization, you have four skills that it four gives more you more skills. Yeah, four, four that career. that become career, career skills. Yeah. Now the difference between a career skill and a non-career skill in Star Wars is the same. Yeah. As it is it in more. Genesis. Yeah, it costs more. It just costs more for a non-career skill. Right. Five more XP per rank. That's yeah. it. Mm-hmm. So going back and forth with him, and I think he's got – he, first of all, you know, he's never played 
Genesis yet. He's trying to get his group to do so, and he's trying to get into them, them into Terranoth. And I think his trepidation is that really it isn't about the talent trees. It's more about the career skills. That yeah. he feels his character is defined by what are their career skills. This list is my career skill list. That's what defines my character. And I would I would say that it's in, you have to kind of look outside the box a little bit. And one I one of the things I didn't say to him in, in my messages back and forth is that you you have to look at the big picture. What you're trying to do with your character is you're trying to make a big picture of the character. You do that with the talents. You do that with the the special abilities. You do that with the um, skills that you buy. Mm-hmm. And so what if they're not career skills? If you have three ranks in something, you're still just as good at it as the guy who's got it as a career skill. Right. Mm-hmm. That has three ranks in it. Yes, you spent 15 more XP to get those three ranks in it. But you didn't have you didn't have to spend 20 points mm-hmm. to buy a treat just to get right. four skills. And and flavor-wise and narrative-wise, it may have only taken your character having those as career skills, say, you know, in like an Age of Rebellion game, maybe it's a, uh, maybe it's a, like a primary mission operational specialty or whatever, right? Where it only yeah. took them boot camp or maybe a year to, to get up to that point. Whereas in the real world or, or whatever, outside of that, he may have spent a couple of years trying to get yeah. getting that, that skill up to there. But at, at some point, you're going to be as good. Just took yep. you a little longer, narrative-wise, <clears throat> right? Flavor-wise, those kinds of things. So and all that stuff builds is part of your character too. Building your character because I like, I like, I may have an idea of what this character may look like at character creation, and kind of mm-hmm. play it out. Maybe like, oh yeah, I could see maybe Killzak being being a um, you know, a like a, a stealthy you know survivalist kind of person, and then as I'm playing him. I may have to have had to jump on a horse. I may want to want him to be part of the that guard. What is that called in Tirnoth, where they can ride special creatures at some point? You know, so it could take come off a different way. Like if I I would put a rank in a skill if I used it in the session before. That's just right. me, but that's kind of character growth and that. Right. It's a it's a, it's the idea of having a path beforehand or having yeah. ergonomic ergonomic mm-hmm. growth with your character i do more of the i have a specific plan i want with my character and then from there i ergonomically grow him based on the campaign and the players and the other characters around him ergonomically uh, so you don't get like like um carpal tunnel or sure. organic organically oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> sorry. i'm sorry dude i had to, i did i don't mean to no. point that out but no dude you're all right i did i Words are hard today. Thank you. No, dude. At least you kept me from saying it a fourth or fifth time. So, (laughs) yes, organically grow the character. That might Uh, be the word. I'm thinking that's the word I'm thinking of, right? Yeah. No, that's, yeah. Naturally, yes, organically, yes. Let them just kind of flow with the campaign and the characters around them. But anyhow, back to Cody's problem here, and I think... Uh, I think uh, his his big concern is that you know Genesis isn't exactly the way Star Wars was mm-hmm. with the careers, right. and what I would like to say to Cody, and what I said to him, and is give it a try as is. Yeah. But if it still doesn't work for you, mm-hmm. create specializations. 
Yeah, and just and think that and keep in mind that Genesis is a the Genesis core book is a toolbox. That's exactly the Age what of Rebellion, at Empire, at Edge of the Empire, all of those books are set rules, set yes. mechanics, right? So right. no reason why your leader um, career as presented in the um, core rulebook can't have knowledge warfare in replace of coercion. Yeah. Or swap out a couple skills and ask your GM about that. And I think yeah. any reasonable GM would say, sure, why not? Right, custom it's- careers. Mm-hmm. That's one way of doing it. Another way is uh, talents. They're uh, tier one talents that uh, give you two skills as long as they're not magic or uh, combat skills. It's tier one if they're a magic or a combat skill. Uh, it should be a tier two. Um, but any of those uh, you want to you know, give – there's examples out there in the Star Wars books of talents that allow you to just pick any two skills, and now they're career skills. Mm-hmm. Um, you could just have that talent in your game. Just say, hey, GM, I want this talent in the game. And now you can custom build your character right from character creation. Buy that twice. You now have the four freaking skills that you wanted for 10 XP. Ta-da! You got the four extra ones that you wanted as if you had taken a second career. They're all career skills for you, and mm-hmm. you know the the idea of cross-classing in Genesis is not really an idea, and I think that's where the Star Wars specialization uh, thing and the D and D reference comes up with the the yeah. dual classing. It's not a thing in Genesis. You are you are defined by what your original career is only because that's what you were. You know, ooh, I'm a scout. Yay, but you can say, you don't even have to call it Scout. You can call it Ranger. Exactly. Call it Ranger. Yeah. You just have all the same career skills as the Scout. Call it Fighting Man. Yeah. Uh-huh. Make make an elf your class and your race. Whoa. Yeah, or that's you can deep. have, that's instead of a deep. warrior, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> instead of a warrior, you have Mr. Punchy Man. Yeah. <laughs> Anyhow, not, yeah, anyways, not but, to be not to be uh, condescending, but no, I, I think no, I think he has a he has a gen- genuine uh, mm-hmm. problem here because right? we we discussed it with him at length. You did too, yeah. Oh, yeah. and I did too. Yeah. And he's still to the at the end. He was still like, yeah, I'm still don't I'm not 100 percent on this. <laughs> yeah, and <laughs> so, you know what, you know what, Cody, um, the game I believe what what um, Genesis does do really well to add to your list is the fact that it is a toolbox and you can make it what you want it to be. Yep. Yes, it's I mean, that was really mm-hmm. yeah. I, I, I that's what I think. And it's one of those things where if you're the GM or somebody else is GM in your group and having that session zero and talking about these things is very important. And you're all in it together. You're all spending time out of your day to go have fun. Why well, have it fun you know if it's if my if one of my players says and I've asked this of them. Um, like I was running at like a Starfinder game, and the guy wanted to create a create a droid. And then somebody, the question came up: Well, do I use mechanics or do I use medicine? And I looked at the guy, and I'm like, I don't know. What would be fun for you? What do you think? He's like, I don't know. So I picked okay mechanics because that's kind of how they did it in Star Wars. You know what I mean? So that's what I always right. ask: Well, what would be fun? What would be more yeah. fun? So, anyways, yep. Stick with the rule of cool. Yes, and just have fun, everybody. <laughs> All right, so I'm sure, Cody, you're out there listening. We did get to you, uh, and okay. hey, 
feel free to keep hitting us up. We love to talk to our listeners. I um, appreciate that, bud. So we have uh, another section of the show to get to here. Yeah, we sure do. Okay, this is 50 Pieces of Awesome. This is where my good friend Chris here goes out in the interweb, searches with his magnifying glass and his spectacles, and and, and he goes out and he finds something cool. And boy, did you find something cool this week. Didn't I, though? I think this I gave it a good read because I was like, this is intriguing. Ooh. Um, Let me just say that yes this is out on the fantasy flight um forums in the your settings section it is called salvage a junk punk alien setting by jared matthew seven now what makes this cool tony what makes this cool is it is dark sun in space man it is gritty sci-fi style this oh dude it is is really sweet it is mutant year zero in space. Is it, it is really yes. It is so that. cool. <laughs> hey Matthew or Jared, I, th- I keep calling. Uh, sorry if I call you Matthew. That's your last name, but Jared <laughs> Matthew. Um, dude, this looks good. This is professionally look. This is professional looking stuff. Um, yeah, it's pretty. And yeah, it is a. Um, there's a. It's it's nice. It's it has everything in here that I want from something like this. Where mm-hmm. you have a, a setup to the setting is really cool. Um, won't I don't want to ruin anything. He's got a little bit of a timeline here, which is mm-hmm. awesome. He does go into some Genesis rules specific references, which is right. pretty sweet. And of course, dude, he brought in new rules. He brought in, yes, everybody. He brought psionics back. Very cool. I mean, J- JT brought sexy back. You know, Jared, Jared here brought psionics back, and that's what makes it Dark Sun to me. Right? Nice. I mean, Dark Sun is it's some psionics and such. Yeah, the look and feel is great. Um, he's got four archetypes, actual deckers, SOs, <laughs> and I love this gnome archetype. Yes, it's spelled N-O-M-E-S, and it's yeah. named that because of the generations of genetic tinkering. How clever yeah. is that? Yeah, well, you know, that's genome. Genome. Yeah. But I'm yeah. thinking, I'm thinking, I think he makes genome and tinkering gnomes and uh, loving the reference, <laughs> dude. Pretty sweet. And it's there's, good stuff. so he split this into like salvage careers because this is all about salvaging and just, I mean, it's, it's Dark Sun meets Mad Max Beyond Thunder Road, <laughs> you know, <laughs> in space, right? And he's got like 10 careers, six psionic careers. Um, okay. One Dude, thing I do. I love the archetype options. Those were so cool. That's the extra, go ahead. Go into those. Yeah. Talk yeah. No, he's, he put in these archetype options where you can buy options for one, for your archetypes for zero to 10 XP. Yeah. Just cool stuff. So here, so here's an example of one. There is a, there's a Decker. Okay. So basically deck themselves into tech mods or they're going to be your computer hackers, your tech hackers and such. Well, you know what? For zero XP, you can get a dark vision ocular implant. Nice. You remove a setback die for, you can get for 10 XP cybernetic ports. Now you can only get one of these, right? You can get, um, 
I don't know the rules for that. I didn't see any. I think you're just limited by the number of experience points you want to spend on them. You can get them all if you want. But it's going to cost you 20 XP to get claws, strong-armed, and the cybernetic ports. Yeah. That's XP you can spend on skills or talents. Yeah. Right, Cody? Yeah. This, <laughs> right? I mean, you could. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, yeah, dude, that's a good thing. I, I, that's a neat little rule that you right. could put in really any setting that way. Yeah. Well, well done, sir. Well done. Um, the psionic. Okay, so the way psionics works, pretty slick, and I like how he basically keeps it like the core rulebook for magic. So there's six psionic skills, i.e. magic skills, right? And he's got a right. table for each, for difficulty to do each one of those. Um, but you can only pick up a psionic skill if you've picked a ranked talent called Psychic Discovery. So at f- Tier 1, you can get it. So you can have up to five of these psionic... Well, maybe more than that. Maybe it's not really capped, right? Um, no, it's probably not. I wouldn't think it is. You can eventually get all the all psionic skills and whatever, but that's such a neat flavor. Like if I'm in this, if I'm out there in this um, sci-fi setting, and I like, I would probably pick up this talent to just unlock a psionic skill. If maybe I get hit with some radiation, you know what this reminds me of? What's that? Borderlands. <gasps> okay. Yeah, right, the the video game Borderlands. Yes, Borderlands, okay. the video games, because you've got your, you know, your psychic characters, and you've got cybernetics, okay. and Maybe it's on a played. waste backwater waste world, and there's all kinds of salvage. Maybe. Speaking of salvage, what about the Maybe. salvage rules that this is named for? The salvaging rules, those are pretty cool. Um, what page was that on, Tony? I can't. I didn't have a note on that. What page it was? But yeah, there's salvaging. Okay. Yeah, there are salvaging rules. You have different types of salvage. Yeah. Like minor scrap, superior scrap, inferior scrap. Oh, one thing that was cool. One of these things he had in here, lash weapons. Page 33. This is a neat concept. Let me read the let me read the description of these for you guys real quick. And this is just I'm just giving an idea of what this guy has put in here because this is pretty awesome. Okay. So lash weapons having the lash type. Um by lashing together multiple weapon parts and muzzles, this odd new weapon type can do some serious damage, but is extraordinarily inaccurate and fragile. On an nice (laughs) fragile. On an an enemy (laughs) attack made with this weapon, two threat or a despair may be used by the GM to have a piece of the weapon fall off. Reducing its damage by two. Wow. An average mechanics check can be used to restore the weapon to full power as long as the part was retrieved. Or something similar. But is that not the coolest thing? Oh, that is very cool. I mean, <laughs> I'm thinking of maybe having something like that on like my space goblins in like Starfinder. Because they kind of kitbash stuff together. And if they roll ones or something, I'll be like, oh yeah, pieces of their weapon are falling off. And won't give them as, as much damage. You could do something like that. And oh, this is so cool. And of course, your <laughs> cybernetics. And last but not least, he created a two-page character sheet. Very nice. For you there, Tony. Very nice. I like that. So yeah, I mean, I mean, there are much more things in here. I mean, we're talking. There's 38 pieces. There's 38 pages of awesome in this. There really is. Okay. 12 more pages, man. You'd have 50 pages of awesome. Oh, you see what I did there? <laughs> I see what you did there. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Um, 
Yeah, so Mr. Jared Matthew Seven, Chris and I would like to award you fifty pieces of awesome. Great work. Yeah, great work, bud. Okay, so we've got a relatively large show going here, but we we've got another section, and I uh, I tentatively named this episode "Heroic Heroes of Heroism" because we're <laughs> going to go over heroic abilities. Yes, we are. <laughs> so shall we do that? Yeah, let's do it, man. All right, everybody, yes, time to open your books of Genesis, more specifically, Realms of Tirnoth, page 74, to your Heroic Abilities page. Um, We're going to talk about Heroic Abilities, we're going to talk about um, how to create them, and we're going to build how we built a couple for a couple of our characters um, today, and then, Mm -hmm. um, you know, maybe potential uses in in other settings, this Oh yeah, it's a great concept. It really is, and you could probably just use it as is, to be honest. But yep. we'll talk about that. Um, so, Tony, what's a heroic ability, man? Well, heroic abilities are each player. Uh, they only get one, and they get it at character creation. Yep. Using a heroic ability works the same for everyone. Your heroic ability is. And they're all pretty powerful. Mm. Um, but by default, activating heroic ability requires you to spend two story points. The effects of the heroic ability last until the end of your character's next turn, and you can only activate it once per session. Mm-hmm. So, however, with every 50 XP your character gains, yes. you get new things that you can add to your heroic ability. Mm-hmm. So, when you create a heroic ability for your character, you've got three steps. Yep. First step, you got to choose which one you want. Now, the primary effect, there's a whole bunch of them listed in here, but it says right in here that you can make up your own. Right. If you you and your GM work together. Yeah. Um, these cover a but, lot. These but these cover a lot of the bases. Yes, mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah. I don't. I don't. I think the only things they really don't cover is like if you had like a character that you wanted that was a vehicle specialist, like you were a captain of a of an airship or something, and you wanted to be like a vehicle specialist. There's something you could probably tweak with the GM to come up with. You probably could. The, the 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 heroic ability I was thinking for my character could potentially be used in that regard. Yes, it could. Well. So after that first step, mm-hmm. you determine what you want its ability to be, the, the normal effect. Then you determine its origin. That's just story. You come up with the story of how it came with. You can choose one mm-hmm. or you can roll one randomly. Right. I mean, yeah, which, I mean, like was your character bitten by a radioactive spider? Probably not. Yeah. Enough, but that would be cool <laughs> if he was. <laughs> there could have been written, oh. bitten by a rune spider. A rune spider, that's true. Oh, if Kilzak would have been bitten by a rune spider. Mm. <laughs> but he got that axe. <laughs> right. Which, yes, and then you, having a signature weapon is a, is a heroic ability. Which right. We'll go into that. And you got yeah, and, the third yeah, thing and is you, you have to name it, which is always good. Yeah, and coming up with a cool, unique name for it is, like, very, very <laughs> – it's fun. Uh, I've seen some interesting ones on characters. Uh, I think um, 
remember, okay, Sean, my son, he made that uh, orc bard. Okay. And he came from a desert, so everything in his in from all of his signature songs that he does, all of his signature spells, all of his his heroic ability, it's all desert theme stuff, nice. like Song nice. of the Oasis and um, the yeah, um, cool. Last of Desert Wind and things. He's got all these different <laughs> names for it, and yep. um, it's very cool the way uh, you can do that with with the the heroic ability. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Yep. So the, the list here between pages 74 and 80 in the Ter- Book of Terranoth, uh, Realms of Terranoth, uh, there's a bunch of them listed. Yeah. So do you want to go over the different ones just a little bit? Sure. Yeah, let's hit on them. So the first one here is called All the Facts. Your character has a knack for knowing vital information when it's needed. So basically when you activate your heroic ability, which is an incidental, by the way, to uh-huh. do that... After spending the two story points, like we said, by default, yep. um, um, th- while the ability is active during each of their turns, your character learns an important fact about the situation, person, place, whatever that's happening in that situation. Um, and it must be either observable, the information must be observable, or directly relevant to the situation. So that's very vague, <laughs> and that's going right. to come up with. Then that's going to there's going to be some, um, maybe negotiating with your GM on this one, but that's pretty sweet. This leaves a lot out there for a narrative, a sweet narrative, and story. That is cool. Yeah, yeah, and so what we didn't talk about already, but each one of these has a base power that they do. Yes, and then they have two other levels. Mm-hmm. They have an improved version, yep. And then they have a supreme version, right? And we'll we'll talk which, about we'll talk about how to get those when we talk about leveling up your your heroic abilities when you um sorry improving, not leveling up. That's a term <laughs> used for a D six seven D kind of game. Oh um, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. So what's what's another one, dude? All right. So the next one we have is connected. Uh, which I, I love this one. Your character seems to know everyone, or at least everyone who's worth knowing. People, many people who are highly placed or just plain powerful owe you favors. I love it. The base is when your character activates this ability, choose one NPC and reveal that they owe the character a favor. You know, Work I must tell t- you, I must tell you, my my mother in law has this heroic ability. <laughs> Swear to God, man, we were two hours away from here. <laughs> dropping my daughters off at summer camp, coming back at a restaurant, and she's and a couple ladies come into the restaurant and go, Jen, how you doing? And it's like, what? How do you know this? These people. <laughs> I mean, everywhere she goes, she knows somebody. Anyways, keep going. No, it's all right. Uh, so you work with your GM. Uh, mm-hmm. That's a common theme with these. You work with your GM to establish relevant details of the existing relationship between your character and the NPC. In some cases, the GM might determine that there is just no way you could know this NPC. Like, well, I don't know, it's a demon that was just born. But anyhow, um, <laughs> in which in which case, your character's your heroic ability just doesn't activate. It's at the GM's discretion. Uh, And you don't end up spending the story points. The NPC won't risk their life or kill anyone as a favor. Um, They also won't do something that's obviously going 
to ruin their social standing, their finances, so on and so forth. However, your character might be able to convince them that there's no such risk. Yeah. Very, very cool one for a face character. <laughs> yeah, very much so. <laughs> and there is a sidebar here that I want to note of on this page. What page are we on? 75 called mm-hmm. heroic abilities in the narrative. This is an interesting concept where um, heroic abilities, you can only activate them for a small amount of time. Oh, and by the way, they can only be activated once per session. Which seems like two rounds, once per session, not a whole lot of time. And you need the story points involved. Eh. But this is interesting where you can have small narrative effects, not only when it's activated. Mm-hmm. So I would think a character with the connected heroic ability, dude, when somebody comes, <laughs> when this dude comes into the bar, they'll be like, Norm, right? I mean, everybody yeah. knows this guy. Or girl, right. I should say. You know, coming into the coming in and um, free drinks, whatever. Right. First round. Well, that's that's like what that. I did with Gorgo. It went right into his backstory and it described the way he looked and so on and so forth. Um, that is perfect. That's a perfect example of this. Okay. Yes. Anyways, didn't mean to digress, but there is a no. sidebar here to, to talk about that. That's cool. All right. What else? We have foretelling. Your character possesses mystical means of predicting the future events and or the lives of their life in pursuit of an ancient prophecy, which they might or might not even be the subject, which is cool. So the base power is each round that it remains active, you can ask the GM one yes or no question about the knowledge your character doesn't have. It doesn't have any mundane or logical reason to possess. <laughs> Which the GM must answer truthfully. Oh, this is great. This is, is that a... dragon allergic to peanuts? <laughs> exactly. I mean, come on. I mean, this is a great. This could be. This could actually be a great, a great one to kind of fuck with your players with. Yeah. Right. I mean, you could give them that simple yes or no question. It's a yes or no answer. This is pretty cool. The character gains information through whatever esoteric means appropriate. Oh man, you could go nuts on this. Yeah, acting That's on this a, information is another matter of t- entirely. Um, you can start freaking your character, your player characters out though too. Oh yeah, you can especially like if they have. Oh my gosh, if you're running, <laughs> if you're running like a horror kind of game, and yes, I have to horror. Not a horror, horror, not a whoring game, right? A horror <laughs> game, right? Um, dude, you can you can kind of put some weird little premonition things in their dreams or something, right? Right. When the no, ability isn't cool. even active, you say, so, yeah. "Sorry, you know, you got this ability. Well done." <laughs> yeah, you woke up with an uneasy feeling this morning. Yeah, you did. And it, <laughs> Gorgo would put cream on it, but we already know that, right? Do we have cream for that? <laughs> Always. <laughs> All right. Speaking of Gorgo, yeah. next we have hard to kill. Oh, yeah, when yeah. your character steals their resolve and tightens their grip on their weapon or staff, you could shrug off the worst enemy throws an enemy throws at you. Sorry. In the moments of dire what? Gripping my staff? Yeah, yeah. Gorgo gripping his staff. He's got an edge. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry about that, everybody. <laughs> In the moments of dire import, they face down overwhelming opposition and don't take a scratch. That's Wunderbar. That's, yeah. So, hard to kill. With this, while this ability is active, your character gains plus four soak. 
simple. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's not so simple when you narrate it. And I'll get into that. So, uh, anyhow, what's next? Um, uh, let me see. What is next? Influential is next. Your character is unparalleled. Is an unparalleled orator. <laughs> we aren't. <laughs> Impossibly charming, or even possessed of a supernatural ability to influence others. I'm picturing a bugbear with yeah. a 25 charisma, right? <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure. You Whether, can draw dicks on cops. Yep, got it. <laughs> Whether through lying, impassioned speeches, moving poetry, recitations, or any number of methods, your character gets people to do what they want. This is great. This is a good one. This could be a nice um, agitator type of heroic ability, right? Um, base. Uh-huh. This ability is active when your character uses a social skill to inflict strain during social encounters. They inflict additional strain equal to the characteristic linked to that skill. Oh, wow. I don't know if I've ever read this one before. If the social encounter is resolved with a single skill check, your character instead adds a number of successes equal to their characteristic linked to the skill. Dude, that's that's pretty huge. Yeah. That's pretty huge. <laughs> yeah. And there that's are nice improved one. versions of these, too. Right. So there's, a, there's an improved and a supreme version of every one of, of these. We're just of giving these. you the base ones, folks. Yeah. As badass as these base ones are, you can only imagine what the improved ones are. Sweet. Right. Yeah, that's a good one. Next. So, m- Miraculous Recovery. Your character's injuries mm-hmm. often turn out to be not as bad as they look. Oh, look, it was just a scratch, Frodo. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, when when your character activates this ability at the beginning of your turn of their turn and each round while it is remains active, your character heals three wounds. Wow! Just at instantly heal. Yep. Yeah. And there is a way to extend your heroic ability, which we'll explain how to too. Um, yeah. That would be nice here. Yeah. That's What's sweet. next? Well, actually, I have a question about this sure. one. Um, and I'm asking about the Supreme version. When you activate this ability, your character heals one critical injury they are suffering. Yeah, that's bad. That's, so, that's... technically, this you cannot activate a heroic ability out of turn, correct? It's an incidental you do on your turn, right? Right. So let me ask you a question. So say a dragon-slaying dwarf had this ability. Well, he doesn't have this ability. But let's just say Gorgo has this ability, right? He activates it on this first round, right? And Uh he has the supreme version of this. Which, by the way, it says when you activate this ability, your character heals one critical injury they are suffering. Uh huh. Now, that's when you activate it. You heal a critical injury. Could yeah. if you if you're not suffering any critical injuries on that turn? Well, I guess you wouldn't be able to. I don't know. My question nope. is: Could you heal? You wouldn't death? activate it until you already have one. Could you deal? Could you? So you wouldn't be able to heal death as a critical injury because you'd be dead. You would not be able to heal. 150 plus you wouldn't uh, how about the one right bel- the one right below it you could though right where you if die you- at the end of the round or encounter yeah yeah total. you activate it <laughs> boom, you remove it that's kind yep. of a death save there yep. okay 
So yeah, so that was that was a confusing one a little bit for me, but reading all the words and thinking through it, yeah. Anyway. Not a problem. Okay. What's so, next? So the next one is Paragon. And this one was actually the one I was thinking about for my, my character. When it uh-huh. become when it comes to a particular skill, your character is simply the best. Oh gosh, I have songs going through my head right now. Whether their abilities <laughs> really are supernatural, your character always achieves the check they want when it really counts. More importantly, even when things go disastrously wrong, they never do. So, when you select this, so the base power of this, when you activate it, when you select this primary ability effect, choose one skill. When this ability is active, after rolling the dice, after rolling the dice for a check using that skill, but before resolving the results, you may move. You may remove a difficulty die of your choice from the pool, basically ignoring the symbol shown on a die. That's huge. That's pretty cool. Yeah. That's huge. And yeah. of course, the and of course, this gets even better, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, yeah. The improved and supreme version of this. <clears throat> yep. So those are cool. So, yeah, you roll it. Oh, it shows two, two, two failures on the die, and you've missed by one. Oh, let me just remove that die. I automatically, now I've succeeded. Being pretty much. Paragon. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Very nice. All right, sixth sense. Your character possesses possesses a rare and maybe even unique capacity to perceive that which goes on beyond the five senses limit most mortals here's your tremor sense you give your character tremor sense ta-da yep <laughs> um when you choose this sorry go ahead no i was gonna say who's gonna say it first you know what i'm thinking <laughs> you know what i'm thinking right yeah, you want to see dead people Ah, you said it first. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> when when you choose <laughs> when you choose this heroic ability, you and the GM decide what type of entity your character's extra sensory perception applies to. Do you want to see dead animals or just such as animals, the dead, other people's minds, and so forth? Dude, there are other people's minds that I do not want to see and ah. perceive. With most, a sixth sense. Most other people's <laughs> minds. I don't. <laughs> so, um, I, I'm afraid of what comes out of my mind sometimes, let alone someone else's. Um, while this ability is active, your character can communicate in a limited fashion with this type of entity, receiving emotions, vague impressions. In addition, when you activate this ability, your character uses this method of communication to automatically gain one important piece of information relevant to the current encounter. So the dead people you're seeing can say, dude, there's somebody hiding behind a curtain pulling pulling levers. <laughs> right? Or they could or they could say, Watch out for that guy behind you. Yeah, well there's that. <laughs> there's somebody sneaking right. up on you. Cool. There's a reason why I let you go first because I knew numerically it was going to get you to this next one. What is it? Oh, signature weapon, dude! You figured that out beforehand, dude. That's no, I'm cool just kidding. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm like, man, I didn't think you prep. We prepped that much, you know. <laughs> Anyways, no signature weapon. Everybody knows what a signature weapon is. It's basically it's a it's a some heroes are just inseparable from the type it's of Thor's weapon. hammer. Thor's hammer. Yeah, you you wouldn't not know. It's not Thor's axe, even though he probably had one, right? I think. Yeah, maybe. But it's more of a hammer thing with him, right? Um, Put the hammer down. 
put the hammer down. I mean, you wouldn't have like Robin Hood's like sword. No, it's his nope. freaking bow, man. Which, by the way, the new exactly. movie looks pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> and the, forget it. We won't to go into that. But you know, I mean, Excalibur, right? That's a signature weapon, man. It's sure. named. Sure. It's a named signature weapon. Um, Dragon Bane. That's Killzax mm-hmm. signature right. weapon. And the base. So the basic. So the base part of this. So correct me if I'm wrong here, Tony. Jump in when you can. I'm gonna try and des- describe this because it has. It has confused me a little bit, and I and I think we spent some time on a previous show describing this too. So um, you pick a signature weapon, whether it's a brawl weapon, melee weapon, one-handed, two-handed weapon, or a ranged weapon. There's a table for that. It gives you the base stats. Now, what I realized the other time is if you pick, say, an axe, would you, you would add the special abilities. These are special abilities added on top of an axe I, or something? I do believe so. Is that how we would do it? Okay. Um so then you can pick a dwarven, elven, or steel craftsmanship. I believe steel craftsmanship is the default. You know, mm-hmm. nothing real special or anything. Um, the craftsmanship is further down in the um, in the gear section. Um, you need to you know work with your GM to to decide what this weapon is, what shape it takes, what it looks like, um, what it is, how your character came into possession of it too. Um, oh, right there. I am sorry. It, 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 this just answered it. So the, the when I told you it had Pierce 2 from before and all that stuff, yeah. no, it says right here, the appearance of the weapon does not affect its profile. Oh, but may, have, may dictate what attachments are available. Okay, so the special abilities for Killzak's axe is knockdown and superior. It is yep. not vicious three or whatever, or Pierce 2 added on to that. It's knockdown and superior. Cool. All right, um, and then so what you would do is um, you pick the pick the um, pick the appearance of it. So in Killzak's uh-huh. case, it was an axe. Then uh-huh. what you do is, in addition, you choose one attachment that the signature weapon does not possess. And uh-huh. when you activate this ability, it's as if that it has that attachment on it um for that lo- for as long as your signature ability lasts so you would activate it on say a the first round and it would mm-hmm. end to the end of your next turn um so basically for two rounds you'll have this going um and it doesn't have any cost or require any hard points because it's only active for two rounds once per session um and then other attachments can be added to the weapon normally um, and then it goes into whether your if your signature weapon is lost or destroyed, it finds its way back in some way. And again, that's a kind of a GM kind of thing you can work with them, or maybe the GM has ideas for that. Um, or I just not. thought of a go for it. Yeah, I just thought of a cool thing you could do. You could also take this to create any uh, um to take this as a template to create a oh, I don't know. Uh, a, a sentient traveling companion um, for your character. Um, basically, you know, like a what's the term I'm thinking? An animal a friend? Like a, a familiar? familiar? Yeah. yeah, yeah. You could have like a magical familiar this way. Oh, sweet. That's cool. Dude, I like that idea. Just like just that. saying. You could yeah, use this cool. template. 
Absolutely. And then and then there's an approved version and a supreme version of right. this power too. So next we have Unbowed. Your character can fight on despite having the most horrendous injuries. It might be by sheer willpower, but that lets that ugh, that lets them accomplish this feat, or perhaps it's something more than mortal. In any case, even the most grievous wounds do not slow you down. Uh, when you activate, yeah, yeah. When you activate this heroic ability, choose one critical injury your character is suffering from, mm-hmm. except for dead. As long as this ability is active, you do not suffer any effects of that critical injury, including adding plus ten to further rolls for critical injury results. Nice. You can also activate this heroic ability as an out of turn incidental when your character suffers. A critical injury. Okay, there you go. The, this is the one I was thinking of, and the supreme version of it, I must say, is mm-hmm. <laughs> supreme version. While this ability is active, your character also ignores the effects of the dead result. They still die when the ability ends, <laughs> unless the critical is somehow removed first, which is awesome. Yeah. Oh, you- I just. But- but I just got cut, my head cut off. I'm still fighting. <laughs> Why was I just going to say that? Because <laughs> great minds think alike, right, Tony? Exactly. <laughs> That's awesome. All right. All right, what's I, the last one? The last one here is Unleash. When pushed to the breaking point, or maybe just when they want to show off. <laughs> yeah, right. As if we have characters that want to show off. Huh. <laughs> Your character unleashes their full abilities, laying low any who, who oppose them. This might be achieved in a flurry of blows as your character lays about with the weapon strikes or in a sudden urge of magical energy that blasts away whatever monsters and foes stand too close. Um, it even could reflect, reflect um, represent your character calling down the wrath of a deity or supernatural being. Um, and this is the ability I believe my character in... in, in uh, what do you call it, in um, Stefan's campaign that we're doing for the RPG Ruler, the live play, has. And so does Jamie's um, Mage, which two different, complete, two complete different looking effects by using the yeah. same heroic ability. So listen to those, see how we both describe them, and yeah, you might be like, oh, well, you picked Unleash, I might not want to. Well, you might, because it's kind of cool. Could- yeah, you can do it all kinds of different ways, like how we did it for Daryl's, uh, for my Terranoth yep. game. Yep. Daryl's uh, Priest of Kelos, mm-hmm. where he called down that Pillars of Holy Fire down upon... <laughs> all the minions. Just minion group, minion group, minion group. Uh, here, where did me, all the minions go? <laughs> exactly. Let me, let, me, let me read the base ability then, because they're like, yeah. what's Unleash? But everybody should have Tiranoth anyways, and you should have already read this, so whatever. No. So while this ability is active, your character may perform a maneuver once per round on their turn to immediately defeat one minion group within short range. Yes, everybody. You can cut through a minion group as a maneuver, move up, and then slice the big bad <laughs> in the same action, in the same turn if you want, because you still have your action left. Oh yeah. So yeah, and then this gets, and then if it, you don't think it can get any better, yeah, it does. And totally, you could like, for instance, if you're playing like that magic character as a GM, this is a moment where you want to narrate. Like I said with mm-hmm. Daryl's thing, he was like, 
calling down these this pillar of holy holy fire yep. but then he was also casting spells from the same at the same time and being the fire priest like the there were he did attacks and the attacks narrated him as tendrils leaping out and pulling more because he did it he took an entire group of cobalts yep. and as this pillar of fire came down and all these tendrils were coming out and grabbing more cobalts and pulling them <laughs> into the freaking pillar <laughs> yeah that was cool <laughs> for I his think, attacks yeah and i think i think so. jamie had one where he was he wanted to cast barrier at the same time and as that barrier kind of went boom the, it, it was like this wave went out destroyed some minions and came back and whoo, and was that barrier spell form that he cast in the same round. That was sweet. So very nice. Yeah, man. That's cool. Yeah, you could have a lot of fun with this narratively. Most definitely. Oh, I yeah. Think my, I think my character leapt into a tree, did some parkouring stuff, and took out <laughs> some flying minions as they were leaving, taking somebody off the ground. It was pretty cool. Nice. All right. All right. So we move into the next section, which is really the kind of the the meat and potatoes of how to upgrade your heroic abilities. How do they get better? So as your character grows in experience, they gain ability points. Mm -hmm. These they can spend on upgrades for the heroic ability. Obviously, the upgrades improve the ability, but more importantly, they help to differentiate it. Even if two player characters have the same primary ability, like Hugh and Jamie did, yeah. the hero um, for their heroic abilities, different choices and upgrades can result in a completely different abilities. Absolutely. Your, char- your character receives ability points based on the XP gained through play. Every time your character hits, XP total increased increases by 50. So it's a milestone. Yeah, some people call that earned experience points. Because yep. at the beginning, you're given X amount for your for your species right. or race. Yep. So, and when your character gains ability points, they you decide how to spend them. Each upgrade includes a cost. Spending the required amount of ability points on the upgrade permanently adds that benefit of that upgrade to your heroic ability. Yeah. Some upgrades have a cumulative effect if you purchase that upgrade multiple times. Yes. So let's get into these. Yeah, let's do that. Yeah, so every so every 50 earned XP, you'll get an ability point. Simple. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to spend it right away. Nope. Which you you can save them. Away. Exactly. So, this, so the first one is um, the duration. It costs one ability point. So instead of... Um, so at 50 ex- earned experience points, you could add this duration effect, which means... It'll last for one additional turn for each purchase of the duration. So then you can buy it again and again and again. So instead of lasting for two rounds, it'll last for three. What's the next one? Nice. Frequency. This costs two ability points. Your character can activate their heroic ability one additional time per session for each purchase of frequency. Wow. Dude, okay. So your standard session has three encounters in it at least roughly three roughly. to five encounters yeah four oh, three or four hours four or three if or you're activating session, your if you're activating your ability three times in one session it's going to cost you six ability points meaning you're going to be points. at 300 oh through yeah ability points 300 earned xp but damn <laughs> that's a lot of minions <laughs> that's a lot of minions to unleash upon right mm-hmm. right what's next what's next 
power. Oh, this is the special one. This, mm-hmm. okay, so the first time you purchase this upgrade, it costs one ability point, and your character character's primary ability gains the improved effect. So how we told you what we went through, all those different heroic abilities, we were just uh, reading the base effects. There's an improved and a supreme effect. So the first, of so the, the improved cost, one ability point. And the second time, at a cost of two more ability points, you can gain the supreme effect. So, mm-hmm. doing the math, 150 experience earned experience points of just selecting the power. After 50, you could do the improved effect, another two ability points, which is another 100 XP. Then you can get the supreme effect on your power, which is slick. Yeah. That's good stuff. Okay, next we have the secondary effect, and there's a whole list of those, but yeah. uh, it costs one ability point. You add a secondary effect to your character's heroic ability. When your character, when you purchase this upgrade, select one of the following secondary effects, and we'll go over those two. Mm-hmm. You may purchase this upgrade a second time and choose a different effect for a total of two secondary effects. As with the primary ability effect, you should work with the GM to come up with the exciting narrative explanations for it. Even if the primary effect is instantaneous, and the as the primary effect is instantaneous, the duration of the heroic ability matters for many of the secondary effects. Remember, a heroic ability lasts until the end of your character's next turn, or longer if you have the duration upgrade. Mm-hmm. So. The first one is devastating. Yeah. While this while this ability is active, your character adds plus two damage to one hit each of their attacks. Yeah, one hit. So one. If they're dual wielding. It's only one hit. They add one hit two, of each but, of their attacks. Yep. Dude, yeah. That's cool. Next one is diminish. While the ability is active, enemies within short range add a setback die to their skill checks. Nice. That's why you're all awesome and heroic. The, the the enemies around in here are like, oh my gosh, he's heroic. Oh, this one's a great one for a wizard. Drain. When your character activates their heroic ability, at the beginning of each of their turns, it remains active. Enemies within short range suffer too strain. Wow. <laughs> just I could just see just this... Uh, this the wizard is just draining strain out of people. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and then here's Empowered, which is the opposite of Diminish. While the mm-hmm. ability is active, your character adds a boost die to their skill checks. This is, I am awesome and empowered. I am heroic. I get a bonus die. I get a boost die. Okay. Skill checks. How about Empowering Your Allies? While the ability is active, allies within short range add a boost die to their skills. That's right. You're heroic. Awesome. I can be better now. <laughs> you know me, therefore you get a boost die. That's right. <laughs> I can smile. Ka-ching, right? Rejuvenation. Yeah. When your character activates this ability and at the beginning of each turn they take while it remains active, you heal two strain. That's a good one for talk a caster. About, talk about a caster one. Yeah, man. Yeah. Uh, rejuvenate allies. Same thing, except for it's all friends within short range heal two strain. Hey, hey I know you. I feel better now. <laughs> <laughs> renewal. All right, this renewal. When your character activates this ability, you may choose to generate a new PC initiative slot. What? You may choose to use cool or vigilance for this role. 
the new result remains for the duration of the encounter. The new initiative slot is immediately available for use, but it does not allow any PC to take an extra turn during a round. That's kind of weird. And I don't think I've ever read this one before, to be honest with (laughs) you. And cool. And cool. And then the last upgrade we have is a cost uh, story. Cost is one ability point. Your character only needs to spend one story point to activate their ability. You can only purchase this upgrade one time. Yep, because there's really no reason to go beyond that. Well, you can't make it zero. Can't make it zero. You always have to (laughs) spend a story point to do this, at least one. Yeah, dude, those are cool, man. So that's how you would upgrade. And Mm -hmm. you would upgrade and improve your heroic abilities and make them your own. Right, so right. casters and healers would probably want that rejuvenation to kind of heal people in range. Um, obviously, your big damage doers may want to pick the pick the um, pick the damage one. Right. Um, yeah. Duration nope. on minion groups, though. Ugh. Oh, on yeah. Leash. Oh, yeah. yeah duration on unleash is just yeah. Ugh. It's it, it, you know what that reminds me of. That reminds me. Remember the the movie um, uh, Hero. Mm-hmm. When they're at the calligraphy school and those two, from the from that um, no not from the calligraphy school it transferred from there to the two I don't know I call them like twentieth level fighters <laughs> samurai just going up and just mowing through all those like first level fighters and guards <laughs> that's the that's unleash man that's unleash right right mm. okay What's next what next week well. We have the heroic ability origins. So your character's heroic ability is an important part of who they are. Mm -hmm. So you'll want to decide how they came by such an impressive ability. It's likely that during this process you've already thought about the explanation for your character's ability and how they first obtained it. In which case, you should discuss the idea with your GM and make sure you both agree that's what's best for the campaign. Yep. But... um, if you don't have an idea yet, you just want to leave it to fate, you can roll on table 2-2, the heroic ability origins. Mm-hmm. You roll a d10, and you determine your origin. Right. I'd probably cherry-pick one for my character. Oh, I have cherry-picked cherry every picked. one that I've done so far. I randomly rolled the one for... Um, who the heck am I playing in, in um, Stefan's game? My Templar... I That's know. cool. I can't remember. Oh, I randomly rolled Sorry, it. buddy. But it made sense. Anyway. Oh, I'm sorry. I yawned there. Dude, that's okay. Getting up. I don't mean getting to past my bedtime. Oh, it is. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Are you seven um, beer? You're not seven beers in, are you? <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't, actually, I've only had the one Angry Orchard. Angry and I'm, Orchard. I'm, I'm sad that I haven't had a second one. Um, yeah. So, yeah, anyhow, there's uh, different ones here. There's In Your Blood. There's <laughs> Chosen One. It's an artifact of power favored by the unseen forces, driven, life-changing experience, blessed or cursed, Mm -hmm. peerless training, and magical exposure. And they all have their different descriptions, but pretty much it's good enough. And then, of course, there's the standard, you got a table, so the last result has to be roll again, uh, ignoring duplicates, and apply both origins. (laughs) Nice. So. (laughs) So roll again. Awesome, and then they have a couple of examples of um, of a couple of heroic abilities. But dude, do you want to make you want to make a couple? Well, we 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 made some. So 
let's let's describe. I made mine. I'll go first. Go for it. So, Gorgo, if you have listened to Jimmy Fett's uh, game that he ran for us, hi Jim, great game. Let's play it again soon. Uh, <laughs> uh, he ran us through an awesome little Terranoth adventure. Had us make a couple of characters. So I made Gorgo Rage Mantle. Now, one of the things I had this really cool backstory that came with I didn't have it before I decided what my character I, I had I found this sketch where there's this orc with all these demonic horns and scales coming off of him. And I'm like, I want I don't know why, you want but that. I want that. Yeah. So which is a great I, way, by the way, to get inspiration for. I have a board on Pinterest. You don't yeah. know how many character character <laughs> concepts or the things are in that board. But yeah, I understand. That is my general way of making characters. I see a picture. I want to put a character to that picture. I hear you, man. Um, so I decided that Gorgos was going to be hard to kill. Now. Uh, Jim let us make these characters with 50 earned XP. So I got to immediately um, upgrade it once. And I, I, I believe I took it. Um, yeah, I can't remember what I did for kill Zach. I I th- oh, I took the, the improved version. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I took I th- the, I might've taken the improved version too, because of the ax. Right. But. So with hard to kill, uh, the way I narrated it, uh, Gorgo, you know, has these demonic horns and scales. So I called it his infernal curse. Nice. And, this is why he was cast out of his orc tribe. He, uh, and that's infernal spelled the Terranoth way. Um, but he has this, some reason he was cursed upon birth. He, he was born with these horns and scars and, and scales. And, uh, so that was my description. I already had my description of where it came from. It's cursed, um, right nice. before I, even, and then I, I started looking at him and I thought, I thought about miraculous recovery. I really did. Okay, but that's been a good one. I I liked the idea of hard to kill. Being able to just wade into groups of people and not care about damage is what I really want. Not not I want to be able to heal fast. You know, I'm not okay. Wolverine. Yeah. So I did that, and then I took the improved version. So the improved version of Hard to Kill was, while this ability is active, your character also increases the difficulty, increases the difficulty of all combat checks targeting them by one. And increasing the difficulty is adding another purple die. Mm-hmm. That's so all melee game. attacks, yeah, all th- melee attacks are three, are hard. <laughs> so... <laughs> By plus adding another die. <laughs> plus a, plus adding a wow, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. so that's cool, that was Gorgos. And so, and then and when he activated... You picked, of course you pick Curse, then. On the right. uh, origin, and, right, right, gotcha. Okay. So narratively, when he activates it, all of a sudden these horns and scales <laughs> become more pronounced, and his eyes glow red with an infernal fire, and he, you know, his curse becomes readily available or apparent readily apparent for everyone to see so now i know why it's more difficult to hit him because he just looks like scary motherfucker <laughs> <laughs> after, after he's, he's all he's all roided out <laughs> right or infernal out. raging <laughs> infernal raging so you were gonna build one for pimpernel yes pimpernel did or do everybody um <laughs> is actually a 
Yes, it's a D&D 5th edition character concept I created that I wanted to I wanted to genocide them and see if I could do it. And okay. this is another part of that journey, <laughs> um, giving them a heroic ability. Now, I was thinking a lot of these don't really fit him because his background is he was an orphan dropped off at a, at a church of um, Yundala, a halfling mm-hmm. church, right? And basically grew up in the church, went out, healed people, good kid, right? Doing all that. And then, all of a, and then one day, a celestial, Solar... Bean came to him and said, hey, look, I'm going to give you some more powers here. But you have to leave the church and go adventuring off, right? So that's kind of my background here. So I am, so my, so his origin of this warlocky power is um, favored by unseen forces. And that unseen force is a celestial being of a, some sort of higher power there, right? So going so then thinking about that, nothing like hard to kill or combat related stuff for this guy. You know, wouldn't be unleashing and mollywopping a bunch of, you know, minions or anything like that. However, mm-hmm. Paragon stood out to me. Because he spent okay. all of his life trying to heal people. So his divine magic skill would be the one. And of course in, in our last um uh what is it? Um our last episode during advantageous threats, I gave him like an arcane ability. But after I created him in D and D, I'm like, you know what? This is a divine. He's definitely a divine caster. So I would pick. So when you select this primary ability effect, choose one skill, and I would pick the divine skill for that. Nice. And the base skill would be after rolling a dice, I can remove a purple from that. Um, and then as I improve it, I can instead remove the effects of a boost of a setback die. Not um, instead. You may also really? the improved version is while it's ability, you may remove. Ooh, yeah. Nice. Okay. And yeah, then that makes the Supreme one a hell of a lot more powerful. Nope. The Supreme then removes instead of. Instead of. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Instead of. Okay. So then a Supreme, you can remove a red a challenge die, i.e. a despair yeah. from a roll. And yeah. that seems, um, that felt a lot like this guy because he spent all of his life doing this, honing his power, and of course, being a warlock of the Celestial mm-hmm. is the name, it would be the name of this um, heroic ability. Nice. So, yeah. So very That's cool. What, there, man. what else did so, we want to talk about, about heroic abilities? Well, we talked about tweaking them and doing different things with them, but what if what what are some potential other uses for them, like for other systems and what settings and whatnot? Well, every um, I think every setting you could use definitely any of these. To be honest, I, a heroic I, ability. I mean, I, I think, think in Star Wars, they are these are basically signature abilities, right? Eh, kind of. Yeah, they're close. Kind of. They're close to it. Yeah. Um, I think these are a must for a uh, superhero. If you're going to play a superhero's game, well, it's in the name, man. Hero. Heroic, her- heroic abilities would be perfect to yes, run. They would. And I can imagine even adding a few more origins 
in awesome. so that you have that the bit spider. by a radioactive spider <laughs> or in lab your, experiment gone wrong or you and your three friends were in a, a spacecraft that got hit by cosmic energy you know mm-hmm. you're a billionaire <laughs> and you don't know what to do with your money <laughs> so you become because like, you, you invent a bunch of things yeah oh dude you could totally come up with a superhero origin table mm-hmm. a big huge one with all the different origins for mm-hmm. superpowers and then this would be one of the first things you do with your character what is their heroic ability and how does it affect them and then yeah. You can go to town add, on it. Yeah, and you can expand upon it. Maybe add in a few more tweaks of things that they can do with their power. Um, yeah, you could do their, like base superpowers if in these. You know what I mean? In a way. Yeah. Interesting. No, you, you could do superpowers that way. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Now I would. So thinking about that. Oh yeah, you could use heroic abilities really in any setting. But there are settings. I don't think I would want to use it in Primeval Thule. No, because Primeval, and I, I think more of your grittier settings, lower magic, lower lower fantasy, lower magic settings. You might not want to. I don't know. No, it's it's definitely a more Gonzo concept. Um, so if you're playing a more of a Gonzo type game, uh, I'd say if I was doing a Rifts conversion, I would guarantee that they would be in there. Oh yeah. But if right. I was doing but if I was doing a you know a core rulebook game of seven uh, '70s crime show, probably no, not, no, probably not. No, uh, if you're trying to do horror, any type of horror, you don't want to use them. You want that grit, mm-hmm. a more realistic, like investigative kind of game. Yeah, something like that. Maybe I don't know whether you would want to, maybe a, like a World War Two or. Um, weird war setting, you know, like they have in Savage Worlds. If you wanted to do something like that, maybe well, you could totally do them in a in a weird war setting. Yeah, they'd totally work in that. Yeah. Um. How about it? Oh, yeah. Here we go. Here's a question: Primordial Machina. Would we want them in Primordial Machina? Don't know yet. Yeah, I don't either. <laughs> I don't know whether we want our uh, setting to be more gritty or more fantasy. We haven't. I mean, based on the art that you and I have chosen, we've got some good mix of both. <laughs> so, yeah, um, we kind of do. <laughs> that's a conversation we're going to have to have eventually. Yes, but. we will. Now, I, you, you know, ha- I, I didn't think of any. Yeah, any other settings? I'm not. I'm not really sure. But again, I think your mileage vary. I mean, for everybody, these heroic abilities may have a feel in their game that they might not want them in it. Um, they might want them in every game. I don't know. It's, I think that's up to you. You certainly wouldn't want them in, in, you know, like, for instance, okay, yeah, you would think, I want these in every fantasy game I'm going to run. But we chose not to do them in our Middle-Earth conversion. No, nope, we didn't. Because Middle-Earth is more low magic and... Yes. Um, and the grittier. Um, yep. So yeah, just as GM's advice, find it, uh, find out whether you want your system. What is the tone you want for your setting? If you want it to be grittier, if you want it to be more horror, if you want it to be more, um, grounded in reality, forego using them. Yeah. You might but, not want to. Right. But there is nothing that says you can't. If, for instance, um, in our, our 50 Pieces of Awesome example, if he had chosen to throw a, co- a version of heroic abilities in, it was totally doable in that. Totally would. And you know what? It might give it a different feel, too, if he did. But yep. I don't know. Um, but what's nice about this, this heroic ability mechanic 
and narrative, it's bolted mm-hmm. on. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it, it's just an add-on. It doesn't change any of the core rules. And that gave us mm-hmm. an idea of how to do add-ons to the core rules of our own. Exactly. Exactly. And I mean, other than the specifics, like removing a removing the effects of, say, a setback die, right? Right. And that's that's definitely changing the rules. But talents do that all the time too. So this is just mm-hmm. another way of doing it, and it's a whole system just kind of bolted on, which is nice. Yeah. Cool. All right, man. Well, I think we pretty good, pretty much uh, <laughs> killed it, man. Yeah, we did. That was awesome. Sh- shall we go set the tone? Let's. Okay, folks, welcome to Setting the Tone, our new format. Um, mm-hmm. So we are looking at the worlds of Android. And um, one of the things that uh, Android coming out, it's got this name, the Android setting. It's got Shadow of the Beanstalk. And yeah. I want to know what the hell the damn beanstalk is. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, we, got, we, got, we got this super sci-fi cyberpunk setting and a beanstalk? What the fuck did we get? You know, Jack, open, throw some magic beans around. What was it? He kind of so, did, to be honest. So <laughs> that's kind of where that's actually that that is the right reference to it, and why they call it the Beanstalk. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So we decided we were going to go into um, the Worlds of Android, page one hundred, and we were going to talk about the New Angeles Space Elevator, also known as the Beanstalk. Yes. So. First thing I noticed when I was reading this, uh-huh. Wayland Consortium. Oh yeah, is the name of the company Wayland Consortium. Where have I heard that name before? Wayland, Wayland Utani, building better worlds. The aliens. What really? Yes. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. I did not make that connection. Spelled the same way and everything. Is- and. That's 50 pieces of awesome there, Epic. Good lord. That's cool, dude. Yeah, you could totally incorporate aliens right into this, and it would fit seamlessly. Uh, But anyhow, uh, Wayland Consortium's New Angeles Space Elevator, which was first opened for business in 35. Is that 2135? Businesses in 2135, probably... I has no. I have not gotten an idea of the actual, like how far in the future this Android said it is. Oh, I think it was I, a I, couple hundred years or something like that. Because there is this on page two fifty one. There's a the New Angeles Times. It says twenty three twelve. Oh, so I'm okay. Thinking it might be twenty one thirty five. Or twenty two thirty five, hard to tell. I think it might be twenty two thirty five. To be honest, all right. It has become the keystone. It has become the keystone for humankind's industrial and technological utilization of space. It stretches from the peak of an ice-clad equatorial mountain in Ecuador, out to a distance of some seventy two thousand kilometers straight up. The structure, the structure popularly known as the Beanstalk, after the old fairy tale Jack and the Beanstalk, which, by the way, founder of the of the Wayland Corporation is Jack Wayland. By the way, just saying. And the onion 
layers can just be peeled back even more. Way to go, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it gives cheap and easy access to space and resources available in space. Perhaps the most important of these being helium-3, shipped down the stock from the moon. But in uh, the incoming riches include heavy metals volatile and volatiles mined from asteroids, high-tech electronics, and components built in space, and pharmaceuticals manufactured in microgravity. And cheap power. Yeah. And cheap power by means of beamed microwaves and and direct current. Which jeez. Wow. Okay. Yeah, so 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 yeah, the whole the whole thing that really spawned this beanstalk idea was from um the nineteen hundreds, to be honest with you. That was the first idea of a space elevator that came up. And when this helium three in the setting seems to be the energy of choice, if you will, yeah, more than anything for like space travel, it's and for energy, really. It's rumored to be the it's rumored to be the key to cold fusion. Yes, that's it. Yeah, so it solves the energy crisis. And mm-hmm. in any of these games, um, uh, you know, a lot of them are like, yes, we've been using all of our natural resources here on Earth. We need to spread out. We need to go out to Luna, Mars, go start exploring space because we're using up all our natural resources here on Earth. But Helium-3 has kind of solved that problem for us here, which has made it easier and better for them in this society. That's why the Beanstalk is so important. So what's really neat is what I like are these quotes, these next four quotes that kind of build up the groundwork for the Beanstalk. And... um, in 1911, oh my gosh, this name, Konstantysolovsky, whatever, I'm butchering this name, but the quote it's is It's cool. Konstantin Sjolkovsky. Perfect. Nice pronunciation. That's awesome. <laughs> Sjolkovsky. Earth, is, Earth is, the is the cradle of humanity, but one cannot live in the cradle forever. So, dude, in 1911, this guy said that. We're not only mm-hmm. going to stay on Earth. And he, um, well, he was a rocket scientist. Yeah, he theorized about the you know space travel and rocket propulsion, and um, the Eiffel Tower actually inspired his idea for this. And his idea was to create a, a tower that reaches space. Nice, cool. What's the next one? All right. Well. The next quote is, but science and technology are swiftly moving ahead and perhaps already toward the end of the century, the construction of a cableway to the heavens will begin. And that's from Yuri Artsutanov. 1960. Yeah, in 1960. Yuri was a Russian engineer at Leningrad Technological Institute and who built uh, built on the original ideas of Zolkovsky's and uh, – he became a very important pioneer for the space elevator concept. Mm-hmm. And in, he was right in the midst in 1960, he was right in the midst of the great space race. Oh, yeah. So putting Yuri Gagarin in space and all that kind of good stuff. Mm-hmm. That's cool. So then Arthur, 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 Arthur C. Clarke in 1981 said the space elevator will be built about 50 years after everyone stops laughing. What a great quote. I mean, yeah. on, brilliant minds are, like, coming up with things. You're like, yeah, whatever, dude. The communicator in Star Trek in the 1960s, pfft, 
What the hell is that? Mm-hmm. Well, that's a damn flip phone, everybody, from the 1990s. <laughs> yeah, we're past that now. And we're past that now. They're the data pads in, um, what do you call it? In, um, in Star next, Wars. In Next Generation and in Star Wars. Pfft, that's your iPad that, you're, that you've got that you're probably listening to us on right now. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Arthur Arthur C. Clarke, um, you know, known for like the the 2001: A Space Odyssey, um, his short story The Sentinel, and whatever. Um, he's a fu- futurist coming up with these concepts and um, added to these ideas. Um, and he had a fictional what was it? Um, one of the novels um, had the concept of the space elevator reaching the public at large. And and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, his version was in an island of Sri Lanka in the um, Indian Ocean, for accurate physics, of course. So, next one. Nice. Well, the the next quote came in two thousand six from the Spaceward Foundation. Mm-hmm. For the first time since it was initially conceived, this dream is now within our reach. This might have happened in twenty thirty five, for all I know. <laughs> but um, um, the world has long looked to this looked for a system that could get people into orbit more cheaply and safely than the time-honored means of large, loud, and dangerously dangerous chemical rockets. Despite the need, the space elevator development was hampered by two fundamental problems, how to build the cable and how to best climb it. Mm-hmm. Beginning in the early 21st century, a series of international competitions were held by various groups interested in advancing the idea of a working space elevator, including the Spaceward Foundation, NASA, the International Space Elevator Consortium, and the Japan Space Elevator Association. All the first year, or after the first year, most com- competitions had two parts, a climber challenge and a tether challenge. The climber challenge tested the ability of each entry to climb the tether powered by energy beamed from the ground. The tether challenge had teams competing to build the longest and strongest tether. Winners showed how to or showed just how ready the world was for this technological mar- marvel. Mm-hmm. So picture so, this, everybody. The way they did this was put a rock at the end of a string and swing it over your head in a circle, right? Mm-hmm. Swing it around. You're, now picture your hand being the earth and this rock being the end of this, of like a satellite, right? Mm-hmm. Going around. And that was that's basically geosynchronous orbit, kind of staying... Phew, Right in one spot, kind of going around, going around. And that concept right there, geosynchronous orbit, which keeps our satellites above us Uh in various areas, that's the concept behind this, to get this space elevator in space. Now, to keep it Uh going with the center of Earth's uh, gravity, you have to put it on the equator. Uh So they decided to put it in Ecuador. And they built this, what they call the root. Yep, I think the root of the beanstalk. Yep, is basically they anchored it to a volcano. <laughs> Great concept, everybody. Yes. <laughs> so it's in the it's in the Chacana district of New Angeles, which I didn't mm-hmm. think New Angeles was that big, but damn. Okay. No, uh, New Angeles is in Ecuador. 
It's ah, not in Los yeah. Angeles. It's new because it's now around this route. Mm-hmm. Was this city that kind of built out. So it's yep. in Ecuador. So it's awesome. Yeah, it's on the Vulcan Kayambe, which is Kayambe volcano. Volcano. Um, and so, yeah, this thing is huge. Uh-huh. Just the route alone is huge. Mm-hmm. That's that's basically what anchors it to the Earth. It is on the side of a mountain. Yep. There's a picture here that is just unbelievable in size. You see, skyscrapers are about a f- maybe a f- eighth the size of this thing. Yes, <laughs> of just the root of it. Exactly. exactly. I mean, it's crazy. Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, the so, root, so the root you have some way to tether. You have to have something to root to the earth. The next thing, the next um, piece of this is called the tether. Mm-hmm. Um, by far the most massive portion of the entire structure. The tether is the taut stretch cable that connects the top of the Vulcan Kayambe on Earth's equator with a small asteroid 72,000 kilometers up. Tether is wow. the support structure for the entire assembly. It's also the means by which the space elevator cars colloquy, known as what? bean pods. Colloquially? Colloquially. Colloquially. Right. Known as bean pods move between the Earth's surface and orbit. This is kind of cool. Yeah. I got this big cable going up to space. And by the way, there is a rock at the end of that string. It is an, mm-hmm. it is an asteroid. Right. Um, it's Yeah. And then... As soon as you get up to geosynchronous orbit, you as soon as you get up, yep, midway up, about halfway up the beanstalk, right. just above the thirty-five thousand kilometer mark, mm-hmm. is midway station. It's basically a space station mm-hmm. on the middle of the string. Right, and the reason why now I don't did you so what's cool is how they built this thing. Uh-huh. Did, you read, did you read how they did? Go that? ahead. Go ahead. Well, how they did that was they built it. They put a space station in geosynchronous orbit and started building the thing. They started building the cable that would go from the this space station down to Earth, and then the cable that would extend further up out of space, out the other way. Mm-hmm. Okay, to this to this asteroid, and then they basically mined this asteroid for the raw materials that they made to create this cable. At Midway Station, and Midway Station is basically like a big touristy station. That's where everybody wants to go. Like billions of dollars is spent or on tourism on this place every year. Yeah, I was gonna say it's a huge terminal. Yeah, just as a nexus point, so to speak, mm-hmm. of activity for people going to and from Earth. Pretty much, yeah. Or they just want to come up here and chill. For a bit, you know, go, a, go up to go up the mid to Midway Station. It's an awesome place for campaign ideas. Oh yeah, dude. Yes, it is. All right, so the string further the goes further the tether goes further out. Yes, and that asteroid at the really at the end of it is called the Challenger Planetoid, and mm-hmm. this thing was basically on. It was a is an Earth. Um, it was an asteroid that was on basically a course, a collision course with Earth or near, 
and they actually mm-hmm. brought it into geosynchronous orbit by mining the damn thing <laughs> of this helium three, the metals and materials needed to build these cables. And they brought this down from the asteroid. And as they were chipping away at this thing, it it's it's its orbit came closer and closer to Earth, closer and closer. And they brought it in and they put rockets on it and moved it right in this right into um, position and whatnot. So there's facilities on the near side, they call it near side facilities, which is the side of it that faces Earth. And then there's far side facilities that are on the opposite side, and that's the places where, you know, this is a launch pad for human human the human race to go into space. Basically. Cool. Right? Yeah, it's pretty sweet. And then the last thing we have when we talk about the space elevator is how do you get up and down? Well, we talked about them. There's the things are called bean pods. Yep. It's a vital element to the space elevator um, system. It's an ascent descent vehicle, and so basically, you get on one of these things on Earth, and it shoots up the tether and it goes up mm-hmm. this thirty-five thousand kilometer climb yep. to Midway Station. Yep. Then you got to change on Midway Station. You got to change cars because you can't because those just go keep going up and down between mm-hmm. Earth and Midway. Okay. And then on the other side of Midway, you get on another one and you go to Challenger to the planetoid and back. Yeah. So, and these bean pods are um, it, it, they're an elongated elevator car designed to climb and descend the tether while carrying passengers and other cargo. Mm-hmm. A standard passenger pod is a cigar shaped vessel about 21 meters long, about the size of. Uh, well, small ship. Um, mm-hmm. uh, let's see, 21 meters long and five meters through at the widest. Yep. Um, divided by, <laughs> yeah, divided into three decks. They've got a diagram of them here. It's yep. pretty cool. Each yeah. deck holds 12 padded chairs and a restroom and a small drink and snack bay. In the pot, in the pointed ends of the environmental control gear, air, water tanks, heating and air conditioning units, and radar and control systems. Amidships is on the exterior hull is a magnetic flange that rides the elevator groove as well as a folded up paraglider ram chute for emergencies, which yep. is awesome. Yeah, so it uses so. um it uses it's like the maglev trains. Yep. Right? So it uses that electricity. So the ones, so I, the, my understanding is the cars that come down generate enough electricity and energy to send the car, the next car to go up. Mm-hmm. That's kind of how it works. And the cable um, is able to harness this energy and such because of the materials it's made out of. So it's kind of neat yep. from a physics standpoint. It's kind of cool. And and then they have bigger, larger cargo ones. Yep. So yeah. that's pretty much it. I mean, there's a lot of physics behind this, but it's so cool. It's such a cool concept. Mm-hmm. You could you could run a game in just any one of those areas of the beanstalk. Oh, absolutely. Uh, you could have an entire game take place in the root of the beanstalk, or in Midway Station, or on the Challenger planetoid. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty cool. I can't wait till they have. Um, spe- and specific stuff to come out for some of these and some of the adventures and setting areas for the for the on the beanstalk and for Midway Station, you know. Very cool. Oh, yeah. very cool. 
Oh, yeah. So that's a beanstalk, right. everybody. Yeah. Story time with Tony and Chris. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Are we ready to move on to advantageous threats? Let's roll some fucking dice. All right, let's do it. <laughs> Welcome to Advantageous Threat. All right, so. I hear the crowd. I hear hear our tens of listeners. (laughs) We are ready to roll some dice and adjudicate how they go. So I went with today's theme, and my character, Mm -hmm. character, Gorgo Rage Mantle, a broken plains orc primalist is surrounded by a plethora of men in black pajamas and black hoods with sharp swords, also known as eight minion groups of two with ten wounds and three soak. Ooh. Yeah, tough, oh. tough, tough, tough group of guys. He will be activating his heroic ability, the Infernal Curse. Now, I thought it would be cool to kind of think, what would it be like if Gorgo was at 200 earned XP? Ooh, I like, I like it. So, he has advanced his Infernal Curse a little bit. He now has power two. So, he has the supreme version of it. And then he has uh, the devastating effect added on, which gives him plus two damage on any attacks he makes while it's running. And he... uh, he also has the um, well that's it that's all he has on it right. but uh, he is supreme version that's of it. hard to kill <laughs> that's, that's you don't want any more <laughs> no I want more but I don't have more right this moment I just wanted to go over the supreme version of hard to kill real quick which is while your heroic ability is active your character is immune to damage reduce all damage the character suffers to zero that's why Gorgo went straight for that so, Dude, rock on. All right, so he he activates his ability, you spending the two. Still split the sorry points. Spend your incidental. That's an incidental. Yes. It so is. now he's going to cast his improved signature spell, Ooh. Infernal Hate. Oh. All right. So you're like so immune to damage. I'm immune to damage, nice. which is awesome. So I figured, uh, you know, I've I got some loot here. I think, I think with Gorgo and and Kilzak being together, and Kilzak was at about 180 or XP. Maybe so something like that. This might be dragon loot that I've got here. Ooh. I've got I got a fire wand. Yeah, you do. To cast my spell through. Yep. So my signature spell, Infernal Hate, is an attack spell okay. with the close combat blast and empowered um, qualities. Mm-hmm. Now. Close combat or attack spell is one difficulty. Uh, close combat adds another difficulty. Mm-hmm. Uh, blast adds a third difficulty. So it's, we're at four right now. Yep. Or sorry, we're at three right now. Yep. Um, and then empowered adds two more. Ooh. So it's a total of five. Nice. But because it's an improved signature spell, yeah, it is only going to be three difficulty for me. It's going to be hard. Huh? Now, Gorgo's, Gorgo's uh, primal magic is uh, 
three yellow, one green. So get that up there. I got that. And uh, with his fire wand, he gets to add the fire effect for free. So now it's fire on top of all that. Yeah. So I'm looking at right now a three yellow, one green, three purple pool. Okay. Well, I would... Um, I would... I'm going to flip a story point as the GM here mm-hmm. because I don't know where else you would see black pajamas and black hood dudes, but in some, um, what do you call it? In some Japanese style village that is awfully flammable. <laughs> <laughs> right, That's right, right. That's the reason for, for flipping it over to red. Okay. All right. Yeah, we ready for that, this? Yeah, that looks good, man. I think I'm good with All that. All right. All right. Well, I have used my incidental, and I am casting this as an action. So I'm going to aim, throw in a blue die. Oh, yeah. Well done. It's an attack. Yes, it is. All right. Here we go. Boom. All right. So first thing I see is that I did succeed. Okay. I only had one success. So my damage for the spell is normally 11. That includes so, your fire wand added stuff too. Yes. And your devastating. That in yes, empowered, yeah, okay. empowered the fire. So it's normally eleven with one success. I'm going to do twelve damage to the uh, group that is in engaged range to me. So twelve damage. Now did and you then, add plus two to for devastating. I didn't put devastating on it. You put your it's, dude. You have your. You have your oh, oh, plus two. ability going. It's already built into the 11 damage. It is built in. Okay, gotcha. Just wanted to make yep. sure. Yep, nope, nope. That's fine. It's built into the 11 damage. My my apologies. Um, so that left me with um, four advantage also. <laughs> so first thing I'm going to do is activate Blast. <laughs> of course you are. <laughs> Everything, including Gorgo. At engaged range of the target. Because I did this close combat. But Gorgo takes no damage. Yes, he doesn't, does he? (laughs) And with two more advantage, I'm going to activate Burn. So that everybody takes the damage. Again, next round. Sweet. Sweet. That's pretty good, dude. Now, if you're casting a spell at engaged range, do you add a difficulty to it? How does that work? uh, By adding... Adding the close combat. That's uh, it. You're um, able to do it. Gotcha. Yes. No yes. By adding the close combat, it increased the difficulty. Okay, cool. Which allows me to uh, cast a spell at engage range. So you just and do a blast fire from yourself. I just drop this fiery hate down upon me and everyone around me. And they all burn up, and I just stand in the middle of it, howling maniacally. <laughs> of course you are. <laughs> And, and Killzak is going, you son of a bitch! As he's putting out all the fire on his, on his beard. Save, save one for me! That's right. That's right. I could I picture Killzak going, damn it, save one for me! <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Absolutely. Cool, dude. All right, Chris, what'd you bring for me? Well... I brought Pimpernel Diddy to the table tonight again. Um, 
But in this case, Pimpernel just saw one of his comrades die in combat. Just boom, dead. About short range away from him. And he wants to immediately resurrect one of his fallen buddies. So he is going to use the divine ability to heal. Okay? Now, in order to do this, because he's a paragon, of course, he's going to activate his signature ability. Now, I'm just going to say he's got, he's got like, he's probably got 50 earned XP, maybe a little more than that. So he's got the, the base, maybe the improved version of the paragon thing where he can, he can take a, a result of a purple die. Mm-hmm. And, and a setback. And a setback, yes. Nice. And remove it. Um, and he's probably spent it maybe to, to, to reduce the number of um, story points he can spend, maybe, to one. Um, so he flips that. And Pimpernel is only short distance, so he's going to use his rune-encrusted rod, which is basically a magic staff, to not increase the difficulty of the distance. So adding the range there for free. Um, and it's a good thing because resurrection is plus four difficulty. So he's got five purple dice now. (laughs) Wow. Okay. Okay. To resurrect his buddy away from him. Um, he had gotten dedication during his, um, years of adventuring or Mm -hmm. a little bit. So his, his willpower has increased to four and he has maxed his divine skill already to five. So we're talking four yellow, one green, yet five purple dice to roll here to resurrect a dead comrade. So I'm going to get these dice out. What's the situation here? Is this It's in the middle of of combat. Middle of combat? Oh, yeah. Well, if you're trying to resurrect in the middle of combat, I'm definitely going to give you a a setback die. At least. Yep, yep. Cool. And then I see that as also being a good reason as a GM to flip a story point and upgrade. <laughs> Sweet. That works for me, man. Now notice, folks, that neither of us upgraded our checks as the player because we spent the story points to activate our heroic abilities. Right. Which we could technically, because this is a separate check, we still could, but don't want to get too greedy on, no. that, on that story point pool. So, yeah, so we're talking, so four yellow, a green, four purple, a red, and a setback die. There you go. Are we good? All right, here we go. Rolling it on the Android book. Let's see what kind of juju that mix, mixes up. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, one fell on the floor. Well. Ooh, it was a failure, too. Okay, so let's see here. Okay. So I've got I'm, I need to find my successes and advantages. Ooh, oh my! All right. So, <laughs> so my paragon ability here. I'm gonna get rid get. of the setback die. I'm gonna make it was a failure, but I'm gonna move it to a blank. And I've got two threat on a purple die that I'm gonna move to a blank as well. Nice. Which, which, by the way, still leaves me with two threat. <laughs> Nut. And it's going li- to... Di- I am triumphant, though, too. So um, I have three successes, a triumph, 
but two threat. Okay. On the red challenge die. Mwahahaha. So All right. I'm thinking because I succeeded, his buddy is is brought back to life. Mm-hmm. Triumphantly so that maybe he has some wounds healed up too. Maybe not full, okay. but maybe half. Half, something like that. With one triumph, I could see half wounds. Yeah, I could see that. Maybe okay. the full amount of strain, but probably not. If I would have got advantage, maybe I spend advantage on healing some strain too. But, but I think the triumph it would be just the wounds wounds have healed, or that mortal blow that just smoked my buddy is gone. But I got a couple. So, what I see is yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna over narrate here just a little bit. Perfect. So your buddy when he when he went down, what he actually did was he took a sword to the face and it cut right into his eyes and so when he went down you're like no and you run over to him and you bap him with your staff and say a prayer to your uh your uh celestial being Mm -hmm. and all of a sudden you feel this blinding whiteness enter your vision and for the remainder of the uh round for the next until the end of your next turn Okay. You are blind. Nice. For the threat. I love that, Tony. That's killer, dude. I love it. That's great. You basically took some of the wound into yourself. Oh, yeah. yeah. I could see that. Yeah. Channeling from across the battlefield. (laughs) Yeah, dude. Oh, cool. Nice. All right. So he's big pimping now. Yeah. Can't see it, but he's big pimping. Pimpernel. <laughs> All right, that was fun. That was good. Oh, dude, I honestly, I wish we could play more often together, dude. We just do so well with this. I All know. right. I know. Well, hey, we have a few sessions coming up in a few days. I know. I can't wait. Are you yeah. ready? I'm let's ready. Get, let's get this over with let's so we can this. get closer to that and prepare and start packing. Right. <laughs> All right. Let's do finish. It. Let's finish. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, man. Simply the best, buddy. <laughs> um, okay, so let's see. So, yes, um, thanks for listening tonight. Everybody. Yeah. Um, we had fun doing it. Or tonight, the middle of the day, early morning, whenever you're listening to us. Thank or you. Or tomorrow, when you're listening to it tomorrow. That, too. <laughs> um, yeah, thank you. And, you know, I want to give out a shout-out to the Wild Die podcast. This is the... Um, podcast dedicated to pinnacle entertainment group savage worlds um by eric lamaru gary mccallum and harrison hunt um where they discuss basically everything from the rules and settings and everything in between all things um all things savage worlds which is a great system best 10 bucks you'll ever spend um Just dropped. Um, they just dropped their hundredth episode last month. So, um, congratulations to you guys. Well done. Keep it going. Um, they have a Patreon. They're on the Mayways, Miwis. They're proud nerds. International members gonna be out there at um at the uh, at the con. Um, they're on Podbean. They're at the Wild Die at Gmail dot com. Yeah. They do a real good show. I love it. It's mm-hmm. it's funny. It's Harrison and Gary picking on 
Eric pretty much, and and Eric takes it so well. It's it's great. <laughs> um, but Harrison does all of these little uh, song clips for their show. He ma- he makes all their uh, um, beds between their segments and and he does some hilarious stuff he does a <laughs> patreon jingle where he raps or death metal screams the names of all their patreons um and it if you ever wanted to hear for sure <laughs> if you ever wanted to hear a uh, a death metal growl from a british man on a podcast listen to the wild die podcast i'm just saying <laughs> yep all right absolutely all right well you'll find them and us uh, next, oh, next this week, not next week, this, this week, week. Yes. at On on the Cob, November eighth mm-hmm. uh, through the eleventh. We'll be there. They'll be there. Eric is going to be running his new setting that he's been drawing up. He's been writing up for over a year. Mm-hmm. Wise Guys for Savage Worlds, where you play mobsters, Vegas style mobsters in the nineties crime. It's the nineties that never happened. As if. Yep. He, as if the FBI had never cracked down on organized crime. Oh, sweet. Uh, That's so, uh, that we, setting's so cool. Yeah, we play tested it last year. Chris and I did. It was fun. It was, oh, yeah. And Eric's going to be running that for people at the con. Um, Harrison is running Shadowrun for the um, RPG Brewery um, for a live play. Um, I don't know what else is... Uh, I don't think he's running anything else for the con. Gary, of course, bowed out of running anything because... Um, I say it's because he's a big, giant babe. No, I'm just kidding. He's uh, It's because him and his wife are going on vacation after the con, so he couldn't bring all of his gaming stuff. Um, they're going to... Yeah, somewhere. Uh, but uh, anyhow, he'll be there to play, and you can't miss him. He's a giant wall of man flesh. Um, the bugbear that has 20, yeah. that has the twenty five charisma. And of oh, course, you Chris, failed your charisma. You failed your charisma roll. <laughs> roll again. <laughs> and of course, Chris and I'll be there, hanging out, drinking beers under the Nerd International yeah, banner, having a great time. Mm-hmm. My plane will to- be landing. My plane will be landing, Tony. Sixty one hours, fifteen minutes, man. Dude, I can smell it. I can smell it already. I'm just saying. You can smell the JP5 from here. I, I can <laughs> smell. I can smell the jet fuel. Yeah, the JP5 fuel. Yeah, because there's a big old jet airliner <laughs> carrying you far away. <laughs> yes. Here we are with the song lyrics again. No, but if you want to talk. To- thankfully, my my wife encouraged me to get first class seats. So yeah. Does baby. that come with a back rub? Oh, I don't know. It might. I'll I know you, you can know. get a hot. I'll I know you can know. get on top. <laughs> All right. Well, anyhow, you can get a hold of the two of us at finding the narrative at podcast at gmail.com. You can get a hold of me on Facebook. You can get a hold of both of us over on MeWe. Um, and and we're still lingering in the G Plus community, though we don't hang there. Um, enjoy listening. But I don't. <laughs> Tell your friends where to find us. We're on Podbean, iTunes, YouTube, and on Google Play. Yep. And after that, that's it. This is Tony saying, keep rolling them bones. And this is Chris saying, remember the rule of cool and just have fun, everybody. Good night. See ya.
Finding a Narrative podcast is not affiliated with or endorsed by any companies mentioned on the show. Any of the products mentioned on our show or appear on our website are the property and copyright of their respected owners. All items are used under fair use and educational and review purposes. All other items are the intellectual property of Finding a Narrative podcast. Copyright 2018. All rights reserved.